Hi, and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories. With your host, Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville, where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing antique tractors and steam engines built before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories about the hunt, tales of restoring, and memories of enjoying. Steel Wheel Stories is proudly sponsored by Engineers and Engines Magazine. A printed, full-color, bi-monthly magazine for all the steam, gas, tractor, railroad, locomotive, and farm machinery enthusiasts. Call or email Brenda Stamp for your subscription today. Email address brenda at engineersandengines.com or phone number 410-673-2414. Mention Steel Wheel Stories when purchasing and get your first magazine free. Hey guys, welcome to episode 19, right? No, 18, 18, mm, no, 18, 18, 18, 18. We just it's talked still about early. this. Yeah. It's still early. <laughs> we are joining you on Christmas Eve morning. Um, we do not have a guest today. The guests are me and Jake. And we have decided just to kind of do a little recap of the year. Um, we were planning on getting a, a guest on this episode and we kind of thought, well, we'll save it to the next one because I... We both kind of felt that kind of a recap would be kind of cool to talk about some of the episodes and, and the people that we uh, interviewed and whatnot and, and just kind of what we've been doing and what we got planned for next year and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Jake, what's up, bud? Well, <clears throat> unlike a lot of other episodes, we're doing this here in the morning. So rather than having a beer cracked, we've got coffee this morning. That's right. So this is... Uh, this is a nice little change of pace. I see your window or your window there in your basement there in the video, and I see that it's daylight there. It is not daylight here. We got the sun coming up. The roosters are crowing. The only thing missing is some smoke coming out of a smokestack. Well, I got that going. I do have a small fire going in the barn here this morning. Knock the chill yeah. off just a little bit. Yeah, if I was closer to Dad's shop, maybe I'd do this out there. But yeah didn't quite happen this morning yeah yeah i hear you i hear you so what if uh you've uh, been continuing the progress on your uh, 30 project there uh, you sent me a picture of a uh, 3d printed draft door that dale had printed that was pretty sweet yeah man i every time that you know something new comes off of that printer uh my my excitement and my awe just it, it overwhelms me because the stuff that is able to be done is so incredible. Yeah. This draft, <clears throat> this draft door. I mean, it's a, it's a draft door for a, a darn steam engine. Yeah. And it's like the prettiest thing that you've ever seen in your life. It just comes out so nice and crisp. And mm -hmm. I just, I can't hardly wait to get it to the foundry and get, uh, uh, casting cast off. Yeah. I already called the manual and I was like, whatever you cast for Jake, just cast double. Cause I'm going to be right behind him. You know, I'm just going to start <laughs> one in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, all, the, all those 3d printed patterns they're, they're yeah. more than one use so yeah yeah <clears throat> they'll go up on the shelf i guess that's something else to mention is that it, you know I, I i'm sure we've mentioned it on here before but like you were you were casting a draft door and uh you know the the 30s that do exist they're all straw burners where yours is a coal burning boilers you know so it's different draft door than any of the other ones that are left or whatever there so it's not like you had one to go borrow. Did you have a broken one or anything or just had to start over from scratch? Or Well, it was kind of a scratch start. Um, it it resembles 
so Advance kind of had two cold burner style um, draft door assemblies mm-hmm. with a door and, and frame. And from like the 21 uh, compound side mount mm-hmm. and down, they they had a, a kind of a concept, if you want to call it that. They all looked similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the 22, 26 and, and on up, it the the look of it changed quite significantly and uh so i i was able to get a a broken uh coal burner 22 or 26 uh draft door and we took and we 3d scanned that and uh once that was scanned uh then going in and modeled in it afterwards we just took and stretched it to make sure. it make it fit the, the actual hole opening in the uh 30 coal mm-hmm. bo- uh, boiler Mm-hmm. So it was uh it wasn't as as easy as probably it should have been but that was kind of the only way that we uh came up with to achieve what we needed to achieve there and so far it came out great. He got the the door printed finished printed yesterday um and then he was starting in on the frame uh just after that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny I ran ran into him and uh he stopped up to dad's shop there I guess like noon or something yesterday and he said he, cho- he just showed me his phone, and his phone plays like a live stream of oh, yeah. as it's happening. So, <laughs> so he can like see if something balls up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he can he can make temperature adjustments inside the yeah. uh, the little box there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he go he shows it to me. He says three hours it'll be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seeing that on your phone stuff's pretty neat because I remember the three D printer that I have. It's several years old now, and. Uh, I used to let it run there at the shop in my office, and I remember coming in a few mornings to just a fucking balled up mess, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, you know, wish I wish I could have seen that, or or wish I would have went back over and checked on it, or whatever, you know." And I've been kind of, it's been like the picture you sent me last night of that door. Uh, my three D printer is at least. I've had it for probably five years or something or other, and it was probably a couple yeah. years old when I bought it. And just the quality of stuff that comes off his printer versus mine, it's, it's, I literally was Googling printers the other day and I, and then I stopped. I was like, man, I, I really, yes, I have a use for one from time to time, but I really don't need one, nor need something else to do or, you know, consume my time with or something right now, you know? I was like, yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was really pretty neat to, to see the quality that's coming off of his printer and everything else because <clears throat> it's, it's a world's difference of the stuff that used to come off mine. Oh yeah, and he is gearing up to do some pretty cool stuff too. So mm-hmm. after he's done helping me, he's got some other stuff in the in the pipeline yeah. and uh, big stuff. I don't need to, yeah, I don't need to spoil that. So uh, maybe we'll get him on here once he gets a little ways through uh, you know, through his his next endeavors with that stuff and yeah. talk through learnings and how cool this stuff is because yeah, he's got some some really cool projects coming up. Yeah. Well, he'll definitely be able to afford it after he sends you a bill when he's all done with this, you know. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm sure that You'll be broke coming. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the first really big payment was a really 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 expensive bottle of whiskey. <laughs> uh, it keeps him going. Yeah. <clears throat> no, man, they're uh it's it's saving grace really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't be don't be afraid to to try that out if you've got a uh an avenue to do that find somebody that's that's got you know a 3d printer they they like doing stuff hobby wise uh with their 3d printer and get hooked up with them and uh the 
really the possibilities are are endless. Man, we keep thinking we keep thinking about uh, cast iron wheels for steam engines and gas tractors, and like really now, it's it's really not out of the realm of possibility. Sure. You just print up whatever lug pattern you want and print up a hub and take it to a foundry and lay your spokes in there and get it done. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Scott had a lug pattern there for one of his engines 45 or something or other that uh somebody either that worked for him printed out or something or other there a few years ago and yep. the way that it laid on the original wheel and had the curve to it and i mean that thing was just it was a big long straight case cleat you know and i was like man that's that's really pretty neat you know and i think that was probably even before i got my 3d printer it seems like it's been a few years ago now but uh yeah yeah it's kind of kind of crazy the possibilities of everything that you could do especially like you get hooked up with people that don't that need something like that, and you're like, well, you know, you could do this, and they never even thought of heard or thought about 3D printing or whatever. You know, it's kind of some of the older generation, I guess, is what I'm talking about. You know, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty neat to see them get excited about it. You know, yeah, very much so, very much so. Uh, he's uh, Dale's Dale's got some stuff in the in the pipeline here for for our family that. Uh, Project-wise, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. That's I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'm excited to watch it all happen because yeah. it's going to be really cool for sure. Yeah, we've uh, well, I've been busy as usual, but not on steam engine stuff at home. Anyways, been working on my barn, trying to kind of get it more complete here and everything else. But we're man, we're really uh, drawing to a point that. I think that maybe shortly after the year, a project may roll in here. You know, I, I do lack uh, some interior work, but it's consists of having to do a lot of sawmilling before I can really do it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And right now the weather's not uh, very cooperative for that. So there's a few steps that I want to take towards uh, kind of completing some of that stuff. But then after that, I'm, I'm, I think a project will shortly be in here mid January or something like that. We, uh, Passed a big endeavor in here of having a working bathroom and all that stuff. So that's kind of marked off the list and all that. But staying busy at the shop as usual. We just uh, finished two new boilers, a 50-horse case boiler and a 8x10 frick boiler that both go back east. And got a Baker 2390 Baker boiler rolling in. Um, and it'll probably be done, I'm going to say, mid-next month or something or other. And... Then steel ordered up for another two or three of them that we're doing, and you know just keep plugging along. Nothing, nothing new and crazy over there. We did uh, slow and steady. Slow and steady. We did uh, move my dad's steam shovel in uh, there on Friday, I guess, and just kind of taking the week between uh, Christmas and New Year to see about maybe getting some stuff freed up on it and seeing what the kind of assess the mechanical situation of it all which is a lot of moving parts, uh, to see a ton. Oh man. Uh, to see, you know, what needs to be done. And, you know, I really, I really hope, and I think that it won't take a ton of work to get everything kind of freed up and, and running and all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, I don't believe it's going to get meticulously mechanically, uh, fixed up like we do some of the traction engine stuff, just because I think that a lot of it's pretty, runnable condition the way that it is you know so uh it's just been a lot of you know like the last i had heard is that like sometime in the 80s or 90s or something or other they ran the thing on air and all that stuff so 
you know, I'm kind of hoping for the same thing. Maybe we can run the thing on air and see what things act like and see if, you know, something needs repaired drastically or anything like that and go from there why uh, why some uh, boiler decisions are being made, I guess, put it that way, whether, you know, we've talked about repairing this boiler or we've talked about building a new boiler for this thing and all that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, go from there. But Yep, got to get a ride out of it, Chris. Got to get, get a... I would be tickled to the shit if we were able to like <laughs> drive that thing down the driveway and back on some air or something that would be pretty sweet so you're gonna go down there this weekend and help your dad out or over the next week or something uh well we'll be we'll probably the shop's gonna work on it uh you know this coming week and then probably move it out at the end of the week or something rather and, and go from there but uh uh, Christmas stuff. Well, today's Christmas Eve. We've all got uh, Christmas stuff going on today and Christmas tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. So I've uh, been piddling down here at my barn trying to do some things and all that. So probably won't hit it again until Tuesday, but uh, definitely be, I'll be hands on deck uh, next week there working on the thing. Yep. I think uh, probably the same boat for us other than... Well, it's uh, Christmas Eve morning at the moment. Uh, I think after we get done recording, I'm probably going to run out to the shop for a couple hours anyways before the the mid-afternoon, evening activities start rolling out. Uh, probably not, nothing happening on Christmas Day. Spend time with family and all that jazz, mm-hmm. um, which looking forward to, and it's important to do that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh that gives us the ability to do something the next day. Yeah. So uh, we'll hit her, uh, hit her hard here again, you know, in between Christmas and in New Year's. Uh, and then I guess New Year's, I wouldn't throw it out. <clears throat> well, I guess last night uh, we did put water in a steam engine. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, it's the middle of December here. We put water in uh, father-in-law's little 14 advance. Um, uh John he actually put handles in it and had water going in it when I when I walked in the door and <laughs> I walked in and we just <laughs> looked at each other and started laughing. <laughs> Bound to uh, so, so I I can see a, a Christmas Day fire up of the little fourteen and uh, I wouldn't throw it out um, that you know maybe Kevin hauls that over to. Uh, to our place to over to Scott's on uh, on New Year's Eve for his oh, yeah. New Year's get together. Yeah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't quite uh, wouldn't throw it out. Yeah, well, I don't know how you guys have been exactly. Then we do talk about the weather from time to time, but man, it's we've been pretty damn mild on our weather. You know, it does not feel like winter time at all, and it uh, the downfall of you know, we've just been getting quite a bit of rain instead of snow. It's been so sloppy outside and everything else, and before. Yep. Uh, well, there at the end of fall when we were putting stuff away, we uh, changed uh, both of the Avery tractors over to antifreeze and having water in them, which we'd talked about doing for a long time. But it uh, the gallons of antifreeze is, was pretty ridiculous. And uh, but anyways, it makes it where we can you know wintertime you know get something out and play with it and you know put it back in the barn. That those things don't hit, sit inside of a heated barn or anything like that. You know so. That's yep. been, uh, well, I was kind of hoping to do that today or tomorrow, but I think I'm pretty sure they're uh, expecting two inches of rain here today or something or other. So I don't think it's yeah. anything that's going to get done. So, 
Yeah, pretty abnormal around us too. Fifty five today, fifty five tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow's Christmas. It's supposed to be snowing here. Yeah, fifty five. <clears throat> I did see we're here like Tuesday or Wednesday. They were talking about some snow flurries and all that kind of stuff. But if it's yeah, if it does, it'll be pretty small and and it's too warm and it's still forecasted to be too warm for anything to be staying on the ground very long. So. But we're not going through as much wood as we normally do, and oh yeah, and all that. We haven't had to plow snow, so I'm not uh, not complaining about it. No, no. So, well, uh, something else we want to talk about on this episode was uh, just kind of some some recaps and talking about the guests that we've had on and all that kind of stuff. And I guess kind of brings us to our our very first guest that we ever had, uh, um, our buddy Dylan, and. Uh, it's uh every time I talk to Dylan, you know, all I can think about is what we'll talk about on if we ever get him on here again and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh the thing that <clears throat> one of the one of the stories that has always stuck out to me from that episode that I find myself re listening to is uh them all in the in the hot tub there at Wasion, you know. <laughs> and I don't know why, but like I find myself uh hearing about stories or whatever and, and the next thing you know I'm I'm envisioning it, you know, and all I can sit here is is seeing them guys in that hot tub and I'm and I imagine the layer of scuzz that was on top of that that they talk about, you know. I'm like do you think it's like more uh, of a slimy looking <clears throat> thing or or what are we talking about here, you know? And <laughs> just the 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 situations you find yourself in at a steam show, you know. Well, what's funny is you thinking about envisioning that, and <laughs> you kind you kind of got to to see that firsthand when we went to CrossFit. <laughs> well, I didn't know we were going to talk about that, Jake. Oh, that's all right. We could throw it out there. I uh, I uh, that that could definitely be the the photo for this episode or something like that. I mean, there's plenty of them <laughs> on ev- evidence. Oh man, we uh, and then your your wife and and my wife they're they're good sports about it too, and they've got pictures of it posted all over in my father in law's barn. And <laughs> yeah, but that was me oh, though. Man, that's, oh, you were the one behind all. I that. was the I was the beginner of that. Oh, gotcha. So we we went to Crosby bit there back in July, and uh, well, let's see, there was me and you and, <coughs> and Dylan and Chris Hudson and uh, Jake's cousin Dale and uh, uh, b- b- John Hart. John Harton. Was that all yeah. of us? I think yeah, it's just six of us. Six of us. Yeah. So yeah, we uh, we all flew into the airport up there and got a rental car and drove to Crosby. You had a had a big hotel room. It was the weirdest hotel room I'll ever talk about because, like, I, I've stayed in a lot of hotel rooms, and a lot of them are, are suites, you know, where they have a little kitchenette or whatever, you know. But a lot of them are divided by different walls and rooms, and this was like you literally walked into a doorway, and, at, like, there was a, a king-size bed, a pull-out couch, two recliners, a kitchen, and it was all in the same room. There was no walls, no nothing. <coughs> a, wa- a door to the bathroom, and that was it. A door know. to the bathroom. Oh, in a jacuzzi tub, all in and the then same. And a jacuzzi, <laughs> not not walled off, not no, divided by no, a door or nothing. Like in nothing. the middle of the damn room. Yeah, yeah. So by the, you know, every night, you know, went pretty late. Maybe not the first night because we were all pretty tired. Uh, but every night was pretty late. And the very last night we were there, it uh, – kind of turned into a toss-up of were we going to go back to the hotel and try to get some sleep because we had to get up at like three o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning or something or other to go catch our flights or were we going to go to the bar in Crosby you know and and uh 
I think it was kind of a half and half decision and, and half the people got stuck in the car with the people that wanted to go back to the hotel and <laughs> we ended up back at the hotel and one shower for six guys and next thing you know I think Dylan started the the jacuzzi first well, because he's yeah, a pool guy been, you know and, he's a pool and, guy yeah he brought he packed the swimming trunks and the whole nine yards and the next thing you know old Jake was in there and they were <laughs> in the in the bubble bath together you know and, and uh, <laughs> so they're Back in September, I uh, had a, a print made off of this photo, and I thought, you know, I'm going to take that over there to, to Jake's father-in-law, Kevin's house there, and post that up in the bathroom above the urinal, and that way every time uh, somebody went in there, they got to see this picture of Jake and Dylan in the jacuzzi <laughs> tub. Well, then my wife and Jake's wife uh, kind of took it to the next level, and they went and got like six or eight more copies of it made. So I don't think you could go to like a 15-square-foot area of Kevin's shop without seeing it now. So It's posted everywhere. 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 It's a good reminder of a good time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So. Uh, well, Crosby there, man, that was... Uh, we got to see a whole bunch of guys that we don't normally get to see. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, we had uh, a couple of episodes later, we had uh, Lance and uh, Lucas Jury on um, on here from, from North Dakota, and uh-huh. we don't get to see them all that often. But, you know, we talk to them from, from time to time and periodically throughout the weeks and, you know, whatever they're doing and everything. But, you know, Lucas ended up uh, up there on, I guess it was just Saturday. Yeah, I think but it was Saturday, yeah. yeah. Got to spend some time and kind of shoot the bowl with him, and mm-hmm. uh, man, that was that was a good uh, good little get together for for all of us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, kind of seeing our our younger crowd of uh, people that we talk to all the time and all that kind of stuff, and in the same place. And when you live hundreds of miles away, it's kind of hard not to have a good time, you know. Yeah, kind of, kind of, almost starting to feel like a. Uh, a bit of a shift in the the generations uh come coming and going to these these shows uh you know we go go to these shows growing up you know i was always looking forward to seeing some of the older guys and mm-hmm. uh not that not that that's not the case still but man anymore i mean we're, we're going to these shows and they're every, everybody's our age you know sure yeah it uh well the the, the bad thing about it is that you know our dads and stuff like that are kind of getting to be the older guys, you know, I mean, I know it, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're not old by any means, but they are definitely starting to become kind of the older generation because of the, the generation older than them kind of, you know, passing away and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it kind of, it sucks, man. I don't like talking about it. Honestly, it, uh, I know it's, it's not good. And the next thing is, is that recognize. we're not really the young generation anymore. Like we used to be, you know, uh, right so yeah it's it's you're kind of we're stuck in the middle of it right now i guess yeah and what you just said is pretty eye-opening too when you see all these younger kids that are out you know running steam engines and running mm-hmm. tractors and running around like we used to do sure um yeah it's it's uh, definitely an eye-opener but cool to see anyways oh yeah Something that really stands out and that I've uh, spent some time Googling and whatnot is uh, them talking, uh, Lance and Lucas talking about that three-wheel heart part tractor that Norman was kind of obsessed over and all that kind of stuff, you know. And 
a lot of people, I, or I personally, I don't think about some of that stuff sometimes just because, yeah, you've seen one picture of it in a book from here time to time, or you've seen a picture of it on Smokestack, uh, you know, years ago or something like that, but it kind of gets forgotten over time of people mm-hmm. that aren't, you know, it's not posted all over every magazine you open or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, and it's, man, you talk about a freaking oddball thing, you know. I think that should be your <laughs> next project. I think you've got the capability of doing that. I don't know about that. I I'm pretty booked up for personal projects. Uh, my <laughs> my tidbit is that if I get a different project, something has to get sold. Uh, another project has to get sold, or something like that. Man, I got a butt ton of of projects. There a couple of years ago, we sold a couple of projects on an almond auction, and and it was almost relieving to me in a way because I guess. I get kind of stressed out when I got that much stuff in, in front of me. Even if it's not stuff I'm working on, it's just kind of like it, if, it, if it makes me stop uh, wanting other stuff because of that stuff sitting there. I don't want to neglect it or whatever. I don't know how to say that. But, yeah, it, yep. uh, yeah, I got I got a plenty of projects to look ahead of. Hopefully that first project coming into your shop is at 18, huh? That is the plan. Um, I was looking the other day at some parts and pieces that were laying on the floor with it uh the the jacket and whatnot stuff laying there all the sheet metals cut out and and i had bought some brass bands about a year ago and i need to get all my little brass band castings uh gathered up and and bring them home and start drilling some holes in them for some rivets and making some brass bands and stuff like that and because that's really what i was down to was getting all the jacket fastened on there and then pulling it back off for paint and uh you know then start putting some more stuff together and a lot of the stuff on that thing has been has been sandblasted and painted and all that. Um, really, for only lack kind of the the wheels and engine bed and a lot of the other small pieces and all the gearing and all that kind of stuff has already been painted and put together. So I uh, getting pretty excited, you know, <laughs> to sit here. I've been gathering up uh, one of my big things about having a shop up here at my house and and not wanting a shop up here at my house in the past has been. Man, it just sounds so silly to have another second set of tools up here at my place uh, when my dad's house is a mile away. But it uh, it has quickly shown me as I've done stuff around the shop how much easier it is to get things done with my family being right here by my barn and all that kind of stuff. And yep. it, uh, man, I've gotten so much done here in the past six months. It's not even funny. Like I, I was just telling my dad, I feel like I've gotten more done in the past six months than I have in the last 10 years, you know, so... Yeah, I I really hope to see some progress on some projects uh, pretty soon around here. Yep, that's uh, that's one of the next thing on my list is getting a, a barn built to here behind my house. Probably probably something similar to what you did. Something you know, not huge. Sure, you know, we've got storage over there to to uh, to Dad's place for all the engines and everything, and but someplace. Uh, walk outside of the back door or whatever and go tinker for a little bit and then come back in or whatever and just yep. so i'm not five miles away over to to dad's all the time yep yep it helps a ton helps a ton yep <clears throat> so it uh oh what was oh clayton let's talk about clayton for a minute because uh you know i <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer and I from time to time uh, fast forward to the part of the episode where he talks about his ancestors and oh, yeah. and how how the steam came about in his family <laughs> Man, that <laughs> me up. Uh, uh, we're going to take it way back yeah 
<laughs> Those uh, jokes are just second nature to Clayton, you know. And uh, oh man, that was <laughs> when we were recording that, and he started out with that. I was like, "Where is this going? What are we doing?" Oh, you know. Man. Oh man, he's one of a kind, man. One, one of, of the best. One, one of the best. He, uh, I, I was talking to him this week. Actually, he uh, he's talking about going to Alaska, and he's wondering about steam engines in Alaska. And oh, really? Wanting to, wanting to know if I'm going and mm-hmm. and all that. And, uh, it sounds like he's going to try to make it work one way or another to to get up there, whether kind of anybody goes with him or not. But mm-hmm. uh, sounds like he's staying busy and and all that. Uh, he's he's also got a, a twenty three Baker mm-hmm. that uh, he's been doing some work on, and uh, he sent me some pictures there of uh, his drawbar assemblies. Um, all those irons have been either cut off or rotted off, one or the other. He's putting that all back new and everything, and. Uh, coming together really nice now uh, i know he's excited to to get a ride out of it he's had it for well, i guess probably maybe going on four or five years now and been sitting there and i think he's getting pretty close to putting a putting water in the thing yeah he had uh oh there he posted them pictures uh of his drawbar stuff and then he texted me about how a certain piece of the drawbar uh bolted up underneath and all this kind of stuff and i was like well i'll take a picture of my engine when next time we get to the shop over there and I went down and looked at mine, and mine is kind of a welded-up disaster down there. And I was like, man, I <laughs> I can't help you. I, I, I don't have any good pictures. I, my stuff's kind of been changed around and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't two days later we had the uh, – we're building 23 uh, boiler there in the shop, and we had – I have that whole complete engine there at the shop, and I didn't even think about it when I sent Clayton those pictures of mine. <laughs> I was like – like 50 feet away was another one and I kind of forgot about it, but we had the thing in the shop and, uh, and sending some pictures of it that way. So hopefully that was helpful, but yeah, it's always, uh, kind of nice to be able to reach out and, you know, Hey, can you send me a quick picture of this? And when you're just totally confused or don't know, or don't have any good pictures of how something goes together, you know? Yeah. Uh, networking in this hobby is crucial to, mm-hmm. to being able to get anything done mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, man, did you see, so speaking of Clayton, did you see the, you know, he's at the Rock River Thrashery there, kind of the caretaker of the grounds and everything. Uh Did you see what they just got this last week? Them big engines, Fairbanks engines and all that stuff? Man, yeah, yeah, them big, big Fairbanks engines. Mm -hmm. They, if you've, nobody's ever been there, that is one of the coolest showgrounds across this country, in in my opinion. Mm -hmm. They've got, I mean... You know, similar to Rowog, where they've got all these different buildings and areas of the showgrounds for different types of things. Uh, man, Rock River is has got a little bit of everything too. They've got an engine shed for for things like you know these big engines that they just got donated to them. Um, and you just walk in there; it's a completely different world and stuff that you just never ever would have dreamt like even exists today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here this last week they got. It's like four semi loads or something to get these big Fairbanks motors and five or six engines or something or other like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big big hunks of iron and you know not every show across the country is able to accept stuff like that and and caretake for it and have someone to you know take the product on to get it running and everything. But I assume that the those will be functioning exhibits at at the show here in the in the future. Yeah, and. To me, well, it takes everything to make the show go round and, and to spark somebody's interest that's new to the show or old to the show or whatever, you know. And it's always uh, neat to kind of see that side of them big stationary engines like that and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
I was thinking, it was funny because exactly when I seen them pictures, it kind of reminded me that up at Shelbina, Missouri, um, they had some engines donated to them from, you know, it seems like a lot of them engines that were donated, say, 10 to 30, 40 years ago came from cities or municipalities or something like that, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they had some donated, and it's like it's like every engine from the single cylinder to the eight cylinder in line Fairbanks like that or something or other, you know. It's and they got them all in a row inside of this big building and all that kind of stuff, you know. And man, it's it's pretty impressive. And I remember walking around at Rolog the 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 first and only time that I've been there, and they're so well established up there and the different buildings that they have and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they have some ginormous stationary steam stuff in them buildings, you know. Yeah huge stuff yeah and what i what the the big coreless steam engines man those are those are really really unique to go up and look at and you know a lot of times you go to these shows and it looks like that maybe they're just barely rolling over mm-hmm. um but there's a you know rolog they've got the one that runs that little generator and runs all electricity there for the one building there's a uh there's another show uh just north of rolog northeast of Rolog, i guess uh it's called Itasca, or maybe it's in the town of Itasca. It's called something else, something or other. Well, there's a they've they've got a, a big cordless engine there, and they run a band mill with it. So mm-hmm. it's like actually running like factory RPMs and, mm-hmm. and things actually working. And I've seen videos of it. And man, you want to talk about something really really cool and on my bucket list to go see in operation? It's that thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because at Shelbina. Uh, also, they have a big double-cylinder stationary steam engine. The way I remember about it is it's like uh, it almost looks like two uh, single-cylinder engine beds that are really far apart, and the crankshaft runs between the two of them, you know. And uh, it's a double-cylinder thing, and it's big. Like, they have a big stationary boiler there they call Big Fred that's a big locomotive-style boiler out of a powerhouse or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. Man, they would just take slabs off the sawmill and put them right in the firebox door, you know, and they're sitting there running that thing at engine speed and yep. and powering a sawmill and everything there in that same building with it, you know. And, and I remember the first time I seen that, I was like, man, that is cool. Seeing that thing not just sit there, not that, you know, it all takes all of it to sit there and just kind of slowly turn over like you see a lot of them or whatever. <laughs> but that thing's sitting there kind of huffing and puffing. I mean, that sawmill doesn't even hardly phase the thing, you know, just because of the sheer mass, you know, circling around there to power the sawmill, you know. But still, it's, it's yep. cool to see. It is really cool. Cool to see this stuff working as it was. Yeah. 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 Even like steam engines and, and tractors too, like actually seeing them do real exhibit style work of mm-hmm. like, you know, actual plowing or actual thrashing and not just half a load here thrashing and, you know, we're going to saw one log here at 11 o'clock and one log yeah. at five o'clock, you know. Yeah. Most of the shows we it, go to were, it seems like around here we don't have a t- at the showgrounds anyways most showgrounds don't have a ton of room for plowing and all that kind of stuff so the sawmill is kind of the the basis of operation you know but mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. all the shows we go to the sawmill is running all day long you know yep it uh <clears throat> that's always kind of the priority for all of us if we have an engine there you know we'll want somebody will run it in the morning somebody will run it in the afternoon and somebody sometimes most of the time gets stuck on sunday shift on there all day you know and stuff like that yep. so it uh it's kind of the priority. But. So we've had uh, we've had guests kind of from from coast to coast, I guess this year, yeah, and yeah. we've 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 ventured up into into Canada mm-hmm. up there, visited with old Cody. Mm-hmm. He's uh, 
Uh, I suspect he's probably working on on something uh, well, something for you today or something. Well, maybe. it's it's funny you say that because I just got a message from him here while we were on here. Oh, as a <clears throat> we were uh, uh, messaging uh, earlier about some parts that uh, he was working on for us, and uh, he actually just sent me a picture of a steam gauge that's on uh, eBay, and he was asking me if I was going to bid it up, and it's like, well, I, I bid it up a couple of days ago, but it's already uh, uh, kind of kind of at a ridiculous price i don't know what it's at it's at 1200 canadian right now which his screenshot that he sent me uh does not show the the exchange rate i'll tell you in just a minute yeah i seen i seen that gauge and the uh and the other one that's on there yeah so that's that's 919 dollars us right now is what it's sitting at for a uh i'll just go ahead and say what it is hell everybody sees it uh uh, Sawyer, so it says Sawyer and Massey Co., which the way I'm no expert, so whoever can correct me, but I'm pretty sure that means that it's a little <laughs> on the earlier side because that was before, like the the later ones just say Sawyer Massey, where this says Sawyer and Massey uh, is kind of the way I understand it. And it's an Ashcroft gauge where um, some of them you see are like, a, I don't remember what brand exactly, but they were a Canadian built gauge, you know, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it popped up on eBay the other day and. I bid it up two or three hundred dollars at the time, but uh, I have a, a repop gauge that I had uh, made up on on our Sawyer Massey. But it would definitely always be cool to get an original. But man, that's what's like the Advanced Rumley gauge we've seen on there the other day sell. I mean, it brought quite a bit of money, you know. Uh, yep. It makes me kind of hug our gauge collection a little bit closer. Yep, I, I feel the same way. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it's fun to collect gauges and and go through them and. You know, take something that's all beat up and clean it up, and you know, make it look look like new again. And I, that's one of one of the the nice things about a bench project is go through it real quick and you, the satisfaction at the end. And that's those gauges for us. We we really enjoy going through gauges. Yeah, it, nice little project to lay out on the bench there, and you know, fire up the bead blaster and clean things up and polish some brass up and. Uh, something else we haven't talked about on here is, um, they make a, a whole, I don't know if you want to call it a chemical, I guess it's gotta be a chemical, but they make a little yeah, bottle yeah. of stuff that, uh, you can resilver stuff with. And, uh, I got onto it from Vic Johnson, uh, Reichert had borrowed it at, uh, we, we were all in the same location one time and, and Reichert gave it back to Vic and I was like, what is that Vic? And he, mm-hmm. uh, showed it to me and. And it's just the coolest little bottle of some stuff that you, if you have some uh, brass, it doesn't really work in my experience. And I'm and I'm open to hear from somebody else if they have used it. It uh, if you use it, you basically have to do it on on fresh, clean brass. Um, <clears throat> the best luck I've had with it is to almost polish that brass to like just the absolute mirror finish. Um, and when I first started, the first time I ever used it, I kind of thought, well, maybe it's like uh, paint in the way and it kind of wants some uh, surface texture to get stuck in there and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And it will stick to that, but it looks a hundred times better if you polish that brass to just kind of a, uh, a mirror finish. And uh, I kind of always set mine like in a little Tupperware container or something or other and dab a little of that on there and you kind of rub it on there and... Um, you know, it'll it'll put a silver coating on this stuff. Um, if you polish it more mirror finish, like it comes out a little brighter. But it's not like, it's still not like the original nickel or, or silver right, finish right. that's on there originally. But you get the same concept because uh, a, a lot of people don't know that a lot of them gauges were 
silvered like that originally they weren't brass you know and stuff like that so uh there's been a few gauges that i've I've done that on and it kind of gives them i think it's the face itself when you have the silver face with the black letters i think it's like easier to see than a brass face oh, myself yeah. you know yep yep very much the the ones that are all brass man out in the middle of the in the middle of a field when the sun's beating down it's it's kind of hard to see that thing and oh yeah and then, like, when it gets dusk and the lighting's, you know, not super, super good, mm-hmm. um, you can't hardly see the thing at all. But, yeah, with that silver, for whatever reason, it it, stand, it stands out and you can see it quite a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So, yeah, that steam gauge uh, uh, restoration, if you say call it, or even calibration stuff, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it seems like I'll get two or three of them, you know, taken apart there and... Uh, yeah, I, yeah. it seems what I always like to do is to justify the, the time that it takes to do it all is get two or three spread out there and, you know, round them up and all that kind of stuff. So it, uh, well, it's all the different tools too. That's yeah. stuff. You know, you, I'm sure you guys have it too, or, uh, those tools are tools that you don't use on other no, stuff I'm, like that. Well, it's small and dainty and it's just not used on, on the stuff that we normally work on. So, yeah. You know, go get all those tools out. You might as well do, you know, a couple of them there at a time or whatever because you got to drag a whole other different set of tools out. Yeah, I got a Vidmar cabinet just full of uh, all the needle puller stuff and all the little screwdrivers and just anything that I've ever used on that stuff just goes back in that drawer so I don't have to hunt for it the next time. And and then full of old gauge faces of, of different stuff and old bezels, whether they're good bezels, junk bezels, whatever, you know, and extra glass and screws and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I get, I got the glass cutter, you know, I usually buy them glasses by the, by the 20 pack or something or other, you know, it's so nice. I used to take an old glass and take it to the bathroom and clean it up with some steel wool and some soap and whatnot, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now when you can get a glass, like I think from the glass cutter, when you buy 20 of them like that, I mean, you're talking a dollar a glass or something like that. You just go get a new glass and throw the old one away. And the new glass is so nice and a gauge, you know, Yep. And the little rope that goes around the bezel and all that crap, it's all right there in that drawer. And when you need it, that's where it's at, you know. What do you, what are you using for rope there behind your bezels? I use like, I think they call it jute rope. It's, it literally looks like baler rope. You can buy it in different sizes. I normally just use the one certain size. I think I have three sizes in the drawer that I had bought. And, and normally the one size works and I can't tell you what it is without going to look at the drawer, but uh sometimes the thicker stuff works but you it's it's a pain to put in there but usually like i'll take it and kind of cut it to the length that i want and then i'll go stick it in the sink and get it wet because when you get it wet it takes it out of the form that it was on the little roll you know mm-hmm. and then lay it all in there and put the bezel in it and then usually take a razor knife and any of the little hairs that are hanging out in the glass kind of cut that off you know yep so we uh we've used several different things over the years i guess um I mean, we've used uh, graphite packing. We've slammed mm-hmm. that in there before. Uh, kind of the thing that we go to the most, I would say, is uh, plumber's putty. Oh, yeah. Ever, yeah, we roll that up into uh, like a little ring, if you want to sure. call it that, and slam it in there. And you once you push it down, you know, it squeezes out kind of all around. And mm-hmm. uh, take your knife or whatever and kind of scrape off the stuff that squeezed out and that holds it in there really nice. So oh, yeah. it, that's that's what we've been been using here kind of lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think that would work pretty good. And 
it uh well we're talking about that silver in too is lots of times when i go through gauges i have a little boxes of the new screws and all that kind of stuff there and uh depending on if i'm silvering it or not or whatever but you like them brand new brass screws man they silver up really really easy with that stuff because they're so clean mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff you know and uh i've even uh, gotten a little, some stainless screws i put in them sometimes and stuff like that you know and it's so nice to put that stuff back with all new hardware it makes them look so pretty the the little machine slots for your screwdrivers are nice and crisp and yeah 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 put that put that screwdriver in there and it never slips or nothing exactly yeah i don't yep. know if well like the the screws that hold the faces in lots of times they're in pretty good shape but usually the ones that hold the bezels in have just been boogered up to yep. no nightmare you know yep yep uh, pretty satisfying at the end of that stand back and look at it yeah what do you use for uh do you guys have like a deadweight tester or what do you guys use for like uh, calibrating when you put your needles back on and all that we've got a um a, a brand new uh modern gauge that sits up on a uh on kind of like a t-manifold mm -hmm. and then we screw screw the other gauge on next to it and it's a, it's actually an old uh you know the old screw uh, screw style grease guns. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of those, and it's uh, it's just full of vegetable oil. And we you take that little screw on the uh, end of that old grease gun thing and screw it in, and it runs both of those gauges up to uh, you know whatever we run it up to a hundred pounds and check it, uh -huh. and run it up to one hundred fifty pounds and check it, and, mm -hmm. and set the needle uh, set the needle from there, and then back the pressure off of it and spin the old gauge off, and uh, we're pretty pretty diligent about kind of flushing the boarding tube out with some uh, like brake clean or something sure. uh, afterwards, just get some of that oil out of there, and mm -hmm. uh, but well, pretty pretty simple setup to uh, to test those gauges. Yeah, yeah. I never, uh, the reason I asked is because I've seen you send me a picture of it uh, from time to time or whatever, you know, and I was like, man, I don't know what it actually uses, you know. Everybody kind of has their own way, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, just a, just an old grease gun, a screw style grease gun, and they're hooked mm -hmm. up to a T with a manifold and 90s up and just something to hold up two gauges. Yeah. Because like an actual, uh, well, you see older dead weight testers on eBay from time to time. We actually have one that's like a Ashcroft built thing, and it's basically like a, oh, I mean, you, it almost looks like a little porta power pump, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Has the two little outlets on it, one for your part you put your weights on, and the other part for where you put your gauge on, and all that. You pump it up and. You spin the weights and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and it works good. Uh, but lots of times, like I think we picked ours up off of eBay for a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't super expensive. Uh, but lots of times them things will bring a couple thousand dollars on there, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So you kind of have to keep your eye out. But that's what we've uh, used for the last several years. We used to have a friend of ours that kind of did all of our gauges stuff, and then he quit doing it. And um, so we kind of, I started doing it on my own there, whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago or whatever it's been when we bought that deadweight tester. And, uh, come, comes in handy to do your own stuff and do lots of, uh, well, I don't do a lot, but I do a few gauges for other people just like you do and stuff like that, whether it's just yep. re recalibrating or fixing them up or whatever, you know? Yep. They're, uh, it's, it's fun to learn. Uh, yeah. they're, it's, and it's something different than doing big stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're, yeah, they're just, they're fun to learn. It's, you know, you, you you sit back and see that needle go up and down all the time. Well, pop that pop the the bezel yeah. and bass out of there, and pop the needle off there carefully, mm -hmm. and 
take that face off and, and look inside there and just study, you know, how it's actually functioning and you gain a, a bit of appreciation for what the thing actually is. For sure. Yeah, and then, it, you know, you go from the single barbon tubes to the double barbon tubes, and then you get into the other realm of having to fix barbon tubes, you know, resolder them and all that stuff. I know we've both done that. and Yeah. It, uh, you know, the gauges are old. <laughs> They've been through They a are. Lot. Man, <clears throat> you, say, you say old. So it's, you know, the um, Ashcroft's got their little uh, emblem there at the bottom of their uh, uh, the gauge face, mm-hmm. and un- underneath that is a serial number. And... I, I'm telling you, like some of those serial numbers are up into like the, the, how would you say that? It's way, way over like 10 million, mm-hmm. like into the ten tens of millions mm-hmm. of gauges. And, uh, I bought a, a really old, um, advance name face gauge, uh, which is a, an Ashcroft, uh, from a collector here. Oh, I don't know, probably five years ago now, four or five years ago. And, the the serial number on that is a five digit serial number. Oh yeah, yeah. It's <clears throat> I never pretty, pretty wild. I never paid attention to those numbers, and to be completely honest with you, now uh, it makes me want to go back and look. You're gonna go back out there and look. Go look at some of the like some of the really old ones, or the uh-huh. ones you think that are really old. Yeah, and you'll see that it's a it's a lower number, and mm-hmm. then you'll go find find one of the highest ones and it's a it's up there you know tens of millions mm-hmm. uh serial number it's pretty wild how many gauges they made yeah can you matt i mean i would have to say that over 90 percent of the gauges are ashcroft gauges that end up in a in a face or whatever you know of a manufacturer and all that kind of stuff and i, I assume the manufacturers bought those from ashcroft with their faces in them and all that kind of stuff you know but can you imagine seeing them faces getting stamped out back there in the day and just having your pick at which one you want and all yeah, that kind of stuff? pretty crazy yeah and it, it's funny they i mean it, some some of the name faces i guess have a little bit different font to them but mm-hmm. generally follow that same kind of the arc with the name and mm-hmm. Um, you know, besides maybe case or something, which is straight across, but generally speaking, like if it's an Ashcroft gauge, it's going to follow that. The, the numbers kind of around the radius there. Well, even like some of the the early case gauges say JI case on them or something like that. in that same deal before they kind of went to the big font case, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess, well, there's a couple other traction engine gauge manufacturers. There's, there's a, a farm, farm engine. Mm-hmm. Manufacturer, I don't know if you've seen one of them. Yep, Minneapolis yep. had to use several of those, several of those uh, like that. And the Marsh gauges uh, uh, and Marsh Federal case yeah. case used Federal uh, quite often. Long and you know they're all, yep, yep. Crosby, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it doesn't seem like they changed in size all that much, although they are slightly different. Eighth mm-hmm. of an inch bigger here, or three quarters of an inch bigger here. Yeah. Uh, but the the depth of the the, uh, the cast iron case changed too, and uh, uh, like I'm thinking about a federal, the federal the depth of that case is just not very not very deep compared to an Ashcroft mm-hmm. and um, Ashcroft gauge. When they're laying there on the bench, it kind of makes you scratch your head just for a second because you're used to seeing an Ashcroft gauge so often, and you see this this other one there, and has just quite. Yeah, a little bit different in, in appearance as well. Yeah. It also presents the problem if you're spending any time at all, you know, working on these gauges is that, you know, not every gauge you get is something that can be taken apart, cleaned up, 
you know, fixed yep. and put back together. I mean, you need parts from time to time. I would hate to know how many gauges I've demolished to get parts, you know. I mean, I, I know for a fact if I open that drawer right now, there's probably 20 to 30 faces sitting in there and probably 10 to 15 cases still sitting in there and different parts and pieces mm -hmm. and at least, you know, and I, I really haven't gotten super heavy into doing the gauge stuff till the past two or three years other than, you know, I used to, you know, if I had one in good shape, I'd take it apart and clean it up and recalibrate it. But here in the past couple of years, it's, it's turned into, you know, taking a just nasty looking gauge and, and, and fixing it up and restoring it and all that kind of stuff and stuff that sometimes doesn't have very good parts at all inside of it and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and then you need some serious parts for that stuff. Yeah, that, another thing that happens there, them, them hairsprings, mm -hmm. they get all wadded up from time to time. Oh, yeah. Man, those that's about, that, those hairsprings are just about the worst part about a gauge, mm -hmm. if you ask me. Um, putting new ones in is, is a trick. Uh, getting them wound right when you're putting the things back together is another trick. Um, yeah, that, and, and this just, that's a really, really small, small part. And mm -hmm. for those, those of us with kind of, big sausage fingers uh that that little hair hairspring is not the easiest to deal with yeah 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 <laughs> yeah there's definitely watchmakers work there yeah but, man we kind of went on a tangent there about gauge stuff we haven't really talked about that kind of stuff yeah, we didn't that's right it's fun stuff to talk about yeah yeah no that's a uh, it uh the gauge stuff you know it uh it's all part of it and it's just like any of the rest of it you know it's uh it takes every little last piece to kind of go through the hobby and you know meet the next guy that you know if you don't know something about it you know they like what i remember when i was younger there was a guy in kansas that that's where you sent all your gauges to if you lived around here you know uh harold stark or not harold stark what was that guy's name um uh, harold stark's the injector guy um man i'm forgetting it he lived over by wichita I originally met him when I was a kid. Uh, the Pawnee Steam School used to travel around, and we attended that one year uh, up at Lathrop, Missouri. Uh, Mace Archer was his name. He was, I believe, mm -hmm. from like a Wichita area or something like that. And, uh, you know, back then in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you lived in my area, that's where you sent your gauge to to have it fixed off, you know, and, and, and gone through and recalibrated and all that kind of stuff, you know. And it, uh, I, I remember probably oh seven oh eight or something like that even running across some stuff on ebay that was kind of in his direction and i believe he had passed away by that time and it was his son or something rather kind of selling off some different parts and pieces and all that kind of stuff and, and bought several things off ebay from from his uh son there and mm. you know it's you got to have lots of parts and pieces around you got to know that guy that uh has been there done that but sometimes before you you know jump in and do it yourself yep so anyways well, it uh, we wanted to kind of do a recap for the episode, and uh, you know, guys, we look forward to another year. We're not we're not going nowhere. I uh, got more episodes to come and more guests to interview and and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I hope you'll you'll join us for the new year starting out. Um, I'm kind of hoping to drop this episode um, tomorrow on on Christmas morning. So. You know, if we can give you anything for Christmas, we'll give you another episode for Christmas, I guess. There we go. Our, our <laughs> don't present to you. Yeah, don't expect anything <laughs> else, but we, well, we hopefully can give that to you. So we'll go from there. But it, uh, 
it's been a great year and, and kind of a fun adventurous year and kind of hectic to try to get this podcast done from time to time, but it's uh, overall been, been a lot of fun. Yep. It sure has. And yeah, 20, uh, 24 is, has got some, some promising outlook already. We've got some, uh, uh, some new travel kind of, uh, lined up, uh, in the works, trying to work through some, uh, final details to, to get some engines to a couple of different shows that we haven't gone to, uh, in the past. And, uh, we're going to go hit some other shows just as visitors and, uh, looking forward to bringing you a little bit of a recap from them and, uh, sharing some of our, our stories from, uh, the experience at those shows. So we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, we wish everybody a Merry Christmas and have a great new year. You probably won't hear from us again, uh, till after the new year, after this episode drops. So, uh, you know, we'll bring you some new content there starting at the beginning of the year. And thanks for following us along on this journey. Absolutely. We appreciate it, everyone, and, and thank you.